Welcome to another episode of the Podcast Against Disease Plague Time series. I am here today remotely with Dr. Kevita Chapla, my esteemed co-host, and I remain Cody Weston. And we're here today to talk about WTF is going on with masks and why we told you lies, apparently, on our last episode. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, but it's hard because, you know, things have changed since the last episode and the CDC recommendation has changed. Oh, ab- so we're going to dig into all of that. Absolutely. Uh, we never meant to lie to you, nor did I think anybody else who said these kinds of things. But I think we're going to be able to fill you guys in on why the story is changing And also to point out that this sort of thing happens all the time in science, we have to respond to the best evidence available. So it's not as if we're just waffling, we're evolving our stance based on the available information. Absolutely. Okay. So I got some questions for you. And I would also direct people who are listening to this now, we have a good, pretty good Facebook discussion going on in the Humanity Against Disease group about this that may provide you with more information. But, Kavita, why has there been this reversal in the guidance on mask use? I mean, just our last episode on COVID, we were saying, well, if you wash your hands and don't touch your face, there's not a big role for masks. And now everyone is saying, well, maybe there is. And also, like Johns Hopkins Hospital downtown, for example, now mandates masks be worn in all clinical care areas. So that's a pretty huge change. I think there's two reasons for this change. So one is the fact that there are places where people are unable to, for whatever reason, be physically six feet apart from each other and socially distance in places where people end up having to interact with each other, such as workspaces in the hospital, uh, grocery stores, other public places where people might be in close quarters for a longer amount of time. So that's kind of the first reason why I think the recommendation for masks was changed. Mm-hmm. The other thing, if you guys remember from our first podcast episode about COVID-19, is the way that COVID-19 is transmitted and causes infection. So to review, we talked about a couple of things. We talked about how we think the majority of transmission is happening by people who are asymptomatic during the period where the virus is incubating. And as we talked about last time, the amount of time that the virus is incubating, so the amount of time before the virus decides to be active but is still present in somebody's body is about five days. And then people that are going to develop symptoms will usually do so within about 11 to 12 days. And that's why that kind of 14-day recommendation of staying away from people comes, because it's usually within 14 days you would show symptoms and after the virus had incubated inside you uh, within that time frame. And because, and we also talked about the serial interval, which is the time between the next case in a chain of transmission. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how that was right around four days, which means that the 
number of time it takes for the next case in a chain of transmission is pretty short. But the number of days that the virus incubates and that the virus takes to show symptoms in somebody is much longer, which means that the virus could be passed on with, you know, maybe two or three times within that 14 day period by somebody. And they might not have symptoms for the first two of those transmissions. Mm -hmm. And so because it has because COVID-19 has a long incubation period and a short serial interval, and the majority of people that are spreading it are thought to be asymptomatic, the CDC is now recommending that people wear masks because the majority of people who might be transmitting the virus to other people probably don't realize that they have symptoms and realize that they have it. And so those people might be more likely to be the ones to volunteer in their families and say, hey, I'm going to go to the grocery store because I don't want, you know, other people in my family to get sick or someone else is having some sniffles. I want them to stay home. And that person may unknowingly be spreading it. And there are also places like the grocery store, other vital businesses, the hospital where it's really, really hard to always be six feet away from people in case, you know, you might be standing next to somebody trying to grab the same item, et cetera, or standing in a line for some kind of grocery or vital service currently. Mm-hmm. And so because of those two reasons, I think that's why the recommendation has changed. Okay. And yeah, I think that the critical thing here is that nothing has changed in terms of our recommendation that a surgical mask or a cloth mask is going to do next to nothing to protect you from others, but it will potentially protect others from you. That's correct. I think a lot of people have a fear of getting it from somebody else. And so some people may be wearing masks in public because they're really afraid of that part of it. But the interesting thing is this recommendation for everyone to wear masks when they're outside is so that they can protect others from themselves versus protecting themselves from others. I think you still would get a little bit of protection if you were wearing a mask somewhere and somebody near you sneezed. Mm -hmm. Those particles might stay on the outside of your mask instead of going straight into your nose. Yeah, I mean, certainly there must be some degree of protection. I mean, even putting your hand up in front of your face is going to offer some protection versus doing nothing whatsoever. So that makes sense, even if air is getting in around the mask. Presumably, even if the viral particles can get through the mask, like you were saying, droplets of saliva and these kinds of things are going to be larger. Exactly. But the interesting thing is that this is not something that is more effective or replaces the other guidelines, which are to distance yourself as much as possible, stay six feet away when you are in a place with other people, or better yet, just stay at home and not go out too much. And also to frequently wash your hands, especially um, anytime before you might be touching your eyes, nose, or face or mouth. Those are kind of the main ways that you will prevent infection. Because if you think about a scenario where something gets on the outside of your mask, either that's your water droplets from your breath humidifying that mask or someone else sneezing and, you know, getting stuff on the outside of your mask. So in both of those cases, you have to be very careful with the way that you wear and take off your mask. 
if you were to touch the outside of your mask, if you were adjusting it while you were out, then whatever particles were on the outside of that mask, either from yourself or maybe from someone else, those would get on your hands. And if you were to then touch a surface, you would spread it to that surface, either what's coming from you or what you got from somebody else. And then the other part of it is if you didn't wash your hands before you were to touch your own face, then you would be spreading something to yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think while masks can be very useful, they have to be used properly. So a lot of these cloth masks that people are wearing, they usually have loops of elastic that go around somebody's ear. Mm -hmm. And the best way to put it on and take it off is to put your hands around the elastic loops and put it behind your ears without touching the front of the mask. And then when you're taking it off to once again, take it off using those elastic loops, not touching the front of the mask. Okay. Um, and while I'm thinking about it, can we talk briefly about how one should store masks, both for healthcare professionals and members of the general public who've acquired either a cloth mask or some other form of mask? Yeah, absolutely. So for healthcare professionals, I will say that it's very challenging right now because we don't have enough masks to be able to use them in the, the most ideal way, which would be to dispose of a disposable mask and not reuse it. Yeah. But right now, unfortunately, we have a lot of resource limitations. And so, at least for us, we're being recommended to keep our masks in paper bags so that they can breathe. And then for people who are using cloth masks, some of the ways that you can keep them clean for healthcare professionals and for people at home are just to wash them in the washing machine. The sort of vigorous washing with water and soap basically agitates the virus particles and then they will leave with the wastewater. Okay. Another thing you can do is potentially after washing it, you can bake it on a low heat in the oven for like 30 minutes. This would be like the lowest setting that your oven had. There's a professor at Stanford who has been looking into ways to disinfect masks and has found that keeping a mask at 70 degrees Celsius, you know, that sort of level of hot air in the oven for 30 minutes can be disinfecting for a mask. Okay. And I was just going to convert that to Fahrenheit since that's what most of our ovens are going to say. Please do. <laughs> I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. It's uh, 158, which is uh, usually the lowest setting on most ovens is going to be around 150. Okay. Now, the one caution there is that it, this is an evolving recommendation, and they say it needs to be constantly 70 degrees Celsius. And I don't know that home ovens are necessarily going to have that consistency. So it it's certainly better than doing nothing, but it may not be a foolproof method. Yeah. And once again, you can just wash these masks in the washing machine. Perfectly mm -hmm. good way to do it. Okay. Um, another thing that I've seen, um, and I'll put up any available evidence I can find, but they say that the particles should only, or the viral particles should only remain viable for around three days on the surface of a mask. So if you were able to just leave it in a paper bag untouched for three days for whatever reason, then it should be all right just by the natural degradation of the virus particle. Um, again, I don't know that I would 
I, I would not use that as an excuse not to wash things. But if, for example, we're talking about N95s that you can't put in the wash, that's mm-hmm. something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. The virus is not going to live forever on surfaces, and it is um, has a longer life on hard surfaces versus soft, porous surfaces like fabrics. Okay. Well, that's important to keep in mind then. And Cody, I wanted us to talk a little bit about the different types of masks for the listeners at home so that they can figure out if they are going to choose to wear a mask when they're outside, which mask they should choose. Excellent. Yeah, let's talk about those masks. So the first type of mask, there's about three types of masks that we're thinking about when we think about masks. One is an N95 mask. Mm -hmm. Another is a surgical face mask. And the third is a cloth mask. Mm -hmm. So an N95 mask, those are used either in healthcare or in different industries. Mm -hmm. And they essentially, the name N95 means that it blocks 95% of aerosolized particles. So that means if you're working with a patient who has tuberculosis and is coughing in the room, it will help protect um, 95% of those particles from entering into your mouth and nose. If you're working in woodworking, it will prevent 95% of sawdust materials from entering your lungs. Mm -hmm. These masks are most important for higher risk healthcare procedures like people who are getting intubated. So a breathing tube is being put in by an anesthesiologist and um, people who are getting cameras put down their throats um, by lung doctors to uh, look inside. Those are kind of the the reasons that somebody might need to use it the most. And currently, because we're, there's still this sort of confusion about whether the coronavirus is just spread through large droplets of like spit, saliva, or if it's spread through the air like tuberculosis is, it's being recommended for healthcare professionals to wear when they're in close clinical contact with somebody. So if they're going to if a doctor or nurse is going to spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes in a room with a patient taking care of them while that person might be coughing and sending particles into the air or large droplets, it's a way to protect them. Mm-hmm. For the general public, I think it's not very useful to wear an N95 in really any situation because at home we were really not putting breathing tubes in somebody's throat, we're not you know, spending a ton of time at the bedside of somebody who's very, very ill and then going to spend time with somebody completely different who we might infect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's not useful at all. And unfortunately, because of our shortage of masks, it only takes masks away from people who need them in healthcare. So even what we're doing in hospitals is not ideal right now. But I think that those masks are really limited to people who are working in high-risk settings where they've got a lot of exposure, essentially, in healthcare. The next type of mask is a surgical face mask. So this is if you see pictures of surgeons on TV or um, you may see a lot of people wearing these out as well. It's a usually like a white or a light green or a light blue mask, and it's made of kind of a papery disposable material, and it has... Um, loops that just go around somebody's ears and it has kind of a moldable top to it so it can fit around your nose. Mm -hmm. These are 
masks that also should ideally be reserved for people in healthcare. They're not as effective as N95 masks in preventing um, you from getting anything in your mouth or nose, but they are decently effective in preventing anyone who's having symptoms from spreading it to somebody else. So a lot of times in the hospital or in the clinic, if somebody has symptoms of a cough or a cold, especially now and even before then when we were worried about people having the regular flu, we would make them wear a mask so that if they coughed or sneezed, they wouldn't be sending it out to other people. Mm-hmm. So for this mask, for the general public, and these masks, I will say, are also in short supply in the hospital, we've been having to reuse these masks, which is also not ideal. But it's kind of the situation that we're in right now. These masks, I think, should be reserved for members of the general public if they are having symptoms or if a clinic has given them a mask or two to use when they're, if they absolutely have to be out in public to prevent spreading it to somebody else. Okay. And I also wanted to just chime in about the fact that there are so many unknowns that we can't quite address right now. I know there's a lot of factors like how much does prolonged wear affect the effectiveness of these masks, for example, both with N95s and with paper surgical masks. We're we're stretching all of this equipment far beyond its originally intended lifespan. So while we're giving you guys the best information we have, I just want to make sure that you all recognize that this is evolving and that we don't have all the answers about what the absolute best practices are at this time. But we are aware of certain principles and how to again, focus on getting things where they're likely to do the most good in a trying time like this. Absolutely. I think different settings and different resource limitations cause people to think about things in different ways. The CDC has recently published stuff on their website about using N95 masks that are technically expired. And so they have information about, they tested, I think, eight or eight to 10 different types of expired masks. And they saw if they were still effective at filtering out particles. Hmm. And they've published like a list of different brands and serial numbers of masks that they say are still highly effective Hmm. because we're kind of in that spot where we're having to think about using everything we have. And I know just a couple, you know, a couple months ago or a year ago, Somebody would probably say, oh, it's a strict no-no to use an N95 mask that's expired. Yeah. So definitely things are changing, and I'm sure this situation will breed a lot of innovation, and maybe we'll think more about how to make these supply chains better and maybe increase the way that we can safely reuse materials like this that might be expensive or limited in quantity. So I think there's a lot of very interesting dynamic stuff happening right now. And I agree with Cody, we're going to work on finding the best current information we can for you. Tell us about cloth masks, Dr. Chapla. Yes. So the CDC is recommending that everyone make or wear a cloth mask for general use when they're outside. Hmm. So cloth masks, um, here are kind of the basics. Cloth masks are still quite effective at preventing large droplets from spreading from your mouth and nose to other people. So they are 
a decent solution for our problem of people spreading COVID-19 asymptomatically hmm. in our current resource-limited state. Okay. The CDC and the American College of Physicians, they're recommending that people use a highly woven fabric, like 100% cotton or those sorts of tight fabrics where if you lifted it up to the light, you wouldn't be able to see through it, hmm. that people often use for sewing projects and things. This should kind of fit snugly but comfortably across the side of your face. You can either have it secured with ties or with ear loops, and it should usually include multiple layers of fabric because I feel like most 100% cotton fabric is not thick enough that just one layer, you wouldn't be able to see any light through it. And it should be able to allow you to breathe without restriction, and you should be able to put it in the laundry and machine wash it and dry it without damage or without changing the shape of it. Okay. Yeah. And if anybody wants a reinforcement on how effective multiple layers of fabric can be, I urge you to look at uh, some of the Shadowversity videos on gambesons. They're super interesting. That's just an aside. Wait, what is that? A gambeson is, it's a medieval armor piece that, so it's basically a lot of layers of fabric that people would wear either as their whole armor or underneath mm -hmm. things like chain mail or plate mail. Mm. And it turns out that Basically, and if you have enough layers of linen, it will be more cut resistant than like leather armor would be. Wow, interesting. Now, granted, this is a very different aside, but you know what? If people are tuning in, they deserve to have some random information, right? That's true. That's how we usually do it. Shout out to Shadowversity. He does some pretty interesting work. He's this Australian dude who talks about castles and swords. That's very cool. Going back to cloth masks, so we talked about the different features that the cloth mask should have. And then next, you know, how do you make one? How do you get this material that you need for a cloth mask easily? There are a lot of different videos and resources on how to make them. I know Hopkins has a resource on how to make cloth masks. I think Kaiser Permanente has one. And I'm sure if you check on YouTube, there's probably a lot of tutorials for how to make them. Mm -hmm. There are ways that you can make them by sewing them. There are also ways that you can make them by maybe just hole punching or cutting a hole in fabric and getting some string or elastic to loop through. Mm. You can use an old t-shirt because that's made of 100% cotton, just nothing very stretchy, no athletic wear, none of those sorts of very stretchy materials. It should be pretty stretch resistant. Okay. And I'm calling it now the Humanity Against Disease recommendation is to, to definitely put some sort of very dystopian cyberpunk or steampunk kind of design on the front so you can feel cool about it absolutely <laughs> these okay. masks yeah. once again are going to protect others more than they'll protect you and we're definitely entering a new time right now where we have to think collectively and think as a group and so i encourage everyone to consider wearing a mask if they're going to be in a more populated public place, if you're going on a walk by yourself or with one family member in a very sort of open space neighborhood where you're not going to be brushing up against people, then it may not be that important to wear a mask. But if you're going somewhere more populated, more enclosed, like a grocery store or maybe a clinic or something, then I would recommend using it. But I think once again, as Cody was saying, this is not better and does not replace the 
overarching recommendations to distance yourself socially, to stay at home as much as possible, and to wash your hands frequently, especially before touching your eyes, nose, or mouth, and to disinfect the surfaces that are commonly touched in your house with Lysol or something similar that kills viruses and bacteria to keep yourself safe. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these practices that we've always kind of known about have become more important than ever. And some of the surfaces that are extremely high yield are doorknobs, uh, keyboards, phone surfaces, things of that nature. Kavita, can you comment at all on layering masks? Because it sounds like there are different recommendations even at different hospitals. And I know the jury might still be out, but have you come across anything in your readings on whether people should be throwing a cloth mask over another mask uh, or anything like this? I agree with you that the guidelines have kind of been absent or conflicting recommendations on whether we should be doing that. I myself feel kind of conflicted because I feel like it could potentially prolong the use of a mask or I think it could make you feel more comfortable continuing to reuse a mask. But then I think it becomes critically important to make sure that you're washing that mask every single day and taking that cloth mask off properly because both the inside and the outside of that mask, if you think about it, are things that you should not touch and then touch something else with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're all learning a lot more about how much face touching we do. I know I am. Absolutely. So those are the things I wanted to make sure we cover. Is there more, any more information you wanted to go over? No, I think that is all that we know so far. Okay. And we're certainly going to keep active on our social media as more information comes out. We'll share the links on how to make these masks as far as the cloth masks for the general public. And stay tuned for the uh, next episode as soon as we have more information to share. All right. Thanks for tuning in and stay safe out there, everyone.